Again, discussing last week the, the halachas of Nida as a, as a chazar, and again, we'll try to keep the questions for after and try to just go through it in a quick way, in a way that's bekitzer, in a way that we get everything that's relevant and practical for, uh, for the daily lives of, of, li- of living with, uh, with Ilchas Nida. So we began discussing last week how one becomes a Nida. We discussed two ways that a woman becomes a Nida. One is with Tums Ksamim, and one is real Tumimide Raisa, which is a Ri'iya from the Makar with a Hergish. And regardless of how a woman has become Tame, whether it's with a Kesem that, did, that was Metameher, which means it met the, met the conditions and was, enough, was large enough and was on something that was white and was Makabal Tuma, regardless of how a woman has become Tame, once she's become Tame, she's Tame Lukuliyama, and all the, all, the, all the Isurim and all the Harchakas that we spoke about last week apply. And now she needs to go through the process of actually becoming Tahira. And that's the process we'll discuss this week, which is how a woman becomes Tahira. What is the process of the five days, the Shivanakiyam? What's the process from the Shivanakiyam to Hafifa, the Chatzitzis that can come up during Tfila, and then the actual Tfila itself? We'll see if we have time to get through all that today, but we'll discuss that in Mitzvah Shem today. And then, uh, and then next week, we'll finish off whatever we have to talk about, Lagabe the, the day of the Mikvah, and we'll talk about Mitzvah Shem Vestas and any other, any other scenarios that come up. So the first, the first thing to figure out is okay, a woman has become Tame. The first thing to figure out is when she actually, when her actually, when, when actually her period has started. Simply staining, which means a lot of times a woman, we spoke about this last week at the beginning of the period, it can start with light staining, and that staining is not enough to be Matame here. It's a small amount of staining, and it's on a big date Tzmainim, it's on something which is. No, it's on something which is colored, and therefore it's not enough to be metameher. That won't be considered the beginning of a period. That's not enough metameher. Only once her period actually starts, that's when she starts counting the days of heading towards Yemei Tahara. And she has to count five days. Those are five days that she has to count. And the Gemara explains, and Machaber explains about Arichos, why she has to count the five days. It has to do with Sheikh Vazera's, is Poilet, and it could be metameher, and it could be Seisu, the Shivanakim, without going into the whole Cheshben of where we get the five days from. She has to count five days, and those five days go from including the day she began bleeding. So she begins bleeding on Sunday. She counts Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Thursday, those are her five days that she needs to count in order to begin starting the Shivanakim. So it's five days before, and then she starts the Shivanakim. If she has become tummy for some other reason, or even if she's been pirish from her husband, for some, for, for, for example, it's a vest, or even an Urzerua, that would be already considered to be counted as the beginning of the five days, which means if a woman did a Bidika, and the Bidika, she, you know, she was on her vest, and she did a Bidika, she hasn't started bleeding yet, and the bedika comes out with something red on it, and it's not a red, and it's not a tummy. She hasn't started the period yet. Since she's now a tummy, she has a real tumma because she found blood on a bedika cloth, like we said last week, even if it's a very small amount, it will be matame, she can already start beginning the beginning counting the five days from when she became usher. So it doesn't go based on just when the period started. It goes either when the period started or when she actually became asura. So if she was asura, either because of an inus vest or some reason that she had to, she had to separate an arzuru as some sort of vest, or she became she had to separate because she actually became tame, but not because her period started, but because she saw something which was matame her, that will all be considered part of the beginning of the counting of the five days. And that's when she begins counting the five days. Now, even even though, like we said, this real reason why the five days comes from has to do with Tashmish and being pilot Sheikh Vazera, which will be Seisu the Shivanikim, there's a loy plug, and regardless of when the couple last had Tashmish, you always need to count five days. That's a loy plug, except for Akala, but every other, every other scenario, you need to count five days, and she begins counting five days, and again, those five days are including the actual day of the Re'iyah, the actual day that her period started. If she saw Bena Shmashas of one of the days, so then she could be Mekel and start counting the day before, which means she sees Bena Shmashas in between Sunday and Monday. She could be Mekel and count Sunday as day one, as day one of the five days. She doesn't have to count Monday, even though it's Bena Shmashas. As long as it's before Tzais, she can count Sunday as day one. Those are the five days that she needs to count. And 
those five days again, regardless of how she become tummy, why she become tummy, she needs to count them. However, she only needs to count the five days once, which means if a woman counts the five days and she does a half second, she starts a shivanikim, and in the middle of shivanikim, she becomes tummy. She brings something to the Rav on day number two. The Rav says, I'm sorry, you have to start the shivanikim again. She never needs to go back and count the five days again. Once she counts those five days, those five days are, are counted once in, throughout every mikveh cycle. She doesn't need to count them again, even if she becomes tummy again. Again, you know, before, before she's gone to the mikvah, she does not have to count the five days again. She just can, you know, starts again from the beginning of Shiv and Akiyam, and she, she, uh, she counts as Shiv and Akiyam. So those are the five days. And the fifth day before Shkia, which means again, let's say she started saying on Sunday. So it's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Thursday is the fifth day, because you're including Sunday. The fifth day before Shkia, she's starting to get ready to count the Shiv and Akiyam. And she has to do three things in order to be able to be properly prepared for the beginning of the Shiv and Akiyam, which will start on the next day, which will start Friday. Friday will be the first day of the Shivanikim. Now, it doesn't always work out, practically speaking, analogically speaking, that a woman will be able to get clean right away on the fifth day, especially if, you know, in a case where maybe the only reason why she started counting five days was because she saw something on a bedika which made her tummy and it wasn't actual, her period hasn't started or it started off slow. In those cases, sometimes it'll take six days, sometimes seven days. It doesn't always have to happen in five days, but five days is the minimum amount of time necessary for her to be able to start counting her shivanikim. Now, I think we spoke this out last year, but it's just important to know that if, in general, if a woman's taking, you know, if every time a woman's trying to start her shivanikim, it's taking eight, nine, 10 days, there's probably something to drop off either the bedikas that she's assuming are tame are not really tame, or maybe there's some other you know, medical medical concern of why it's taking her longer than normal to get tame, and it's good to speak to a doctor, speak to a rav, most rabbanim will have you know, some experience and more, a lot of experience in at least knowing what the potential issues can be, why she's, you know, it's taking every time much more than five days, so if it's six, that's not nishkeferlach, but if it's taking every time eight, nine, seven, eight, nine days, that's probably something to just you know, talk over with somebody to make sure that this is normal, and this is, uh, this is something which, uh, which, uh, which you don't have to be concerned about. So that's the five days. And the fifth day, before Shkia, she starts preparing. And she does three things. The first thing she needs to do, the Mechaber tells us, is she needs to wash herself. That means cleaning the outside of her Oysimakam, the outside of the Oysimakam. She has to clean it. Why? To make sure that there's no blood over there. To make sure there's no dried blood, there's no wet blood. She has to make sure there's no blood. She has to clean it. Now, she can do that in many ways. She can do that either by taking a shower, taking a bath. She can do it by washing herself with a washcloth. She can take a baby wipe and wipe that area off. But she has to make sure that the outside of Oysimakam is clean in order to make sure there's no blood. That's step number one. Now, many women will, for Eitzotayv, for a practical thing, will clean the inside of the Oysimakam as well, just to make sure that there's no more blood left inside. They'll clean it with water, by putting water up, water, water inside the Oysimakam. If she does do that, then she should wait a minimum of five minutes, to ensure that the water doesn't, before doing, before doing a hefsik, to ensure that the water doesn't change the color of the hefsik. Many times, if you have water inside, and then a woman tries to do a hefsik, so it, there's water in there, and the water is going to change what that hefsik is going to end up looking like, and therefore, she should wait a minimum of five minutes if she sees that she's getting close to shkia and she doesn't have five minutes to wait. So, but the other, she can do the bedika even immediately after washing herself, even inside, but that's if she's washing herself inside, and again, she's not machayv to do that, but it's an eitzatayva based on, you know, based on the woman's experience. She'll know if it's something that's easier for her to get clean or harder, if it's kedai to clean the inside. So that's the gabi cleaning the outside. That's step number one. Step number two is that she has to, step number two is she actually, she has to do a hefsek tahira. A hefsek tahira is a hefsek which is put inside. It's like a regular bedika. She puts a hefsek, she puts a bedika cloth inside, takes it out and ensures that it's actually clean. If it's clean, then she knows that, okay, she stopped bleeding. That her tuma has, you know, stopped in terms of the, in terms of actual, actual, you know, um, actual, 
you know, bleeding, and therefore she's ready to start the shivanakim. That's called a half sick tyra. If a woman, if the first one, and this happens often, a woman will put in one, and the first one doesn't come out clean. Sometimes it can take two or three to get clean. There's no limit to how many you can put in, as long as I put in before shkia. However, it's not a very smart idea to put in more than three, four. It's going to irritate that that, that makam. It's a very sensitive place. Once you pass three or four, it's nakadai. If there's still real blood coming out, it's kadai to first of all bring it to a rough to make sure that it's actually real blood. But you know, even if even if she knows and it's vada real blood, it's real blood coming out. It's good to wait another day because it's only going to make things worse. It's not going to help things. So again, there's no exact number two, three, three, four, but somewhere in that range is is considered to be you know still somewhat safe to be able to actually do the half sectira past that. Again, it's it's it's. It's not a smart thing to do. That's the hafsik tyra. So the first thing is she washes herself. She does a hafsik tyra and ensures that the hafsik is clean. And then she does a meichtach. Since the time in between shkia and seis is a safik yom, safik laila, she has to have seven seven yamim shleimim. Therefore, we have the chazawar machmer that she puts in a meichtachuk. Meichtachuk is basically like a regular bedikah cloth, except that instead of putting a bedikah cloth in and taking the bedikah cloth out, which is normally what happens, she puts a bedikah cloth in and leaves it in from shkia all the way until seis. About 50 minutes, and I think that's the generally accepted zman what is 50 minutes, she puts it inside and keeps it in until the end of taste and takes it out to ensure that it's actually clean. And that's then she's already, you know, at, she's out by taste of already Thursday night, so she's by Friday. Friday is day number day, day number one of her Shivanikiyam. If a woman, and this, this can happen often, that a woman will, will know or will see that putting in the mouth ducta can cause irritation, leaving something in that place, which again is a sensitive place, especially you know, after childbirth and especially at times when things are sensitive. So a woman, a woman should call a rub because that's the easiest thing that a rough can be make on is. is Skipping the meichdachuk, it's a chumrah, and again, it's something that a rav can say. It's not kedai, especially after childbirth. Most of the a woman, anyways, for a few months after childbirth, once she starts going to make not to put in meichdachuk until that area heals. So that's something which just is kedai to know that even though you need to do a, she needs to wash herself and do a hefsek without a hefsek, you can't begin shivanikiyim, and she lechatchila should be doing a meichdachuk. But that's the kind of thing where there's more makam to be makel when it comes to a meichdachuk. So preferably not. There probably shouldn't be a cream with the big unless you should talk to Rav. If there's some reason that she feels like it's in irritations, then you can talk to Rav and talk to which cream could be put on and how to do it to be done in a proper way. But but again, it, it will it will change the it will change the color of something that comes out and therefore it, it's not like a tribal. But uh, 15 minutes, there's, huh? 15 minutes. From when? From Shkia? Fifty minutes, yeah. Okay. No, it should be inside. It should be in from Shkia till Tseis, yeah. 50, 50, 5, 0. It should be in the whole time from Shkia until Tseis. Now, when should she be doing this Bidika, this Hefsek Taira? So she obviously must, must be doing it before Shkia because it has to be done on Thursday. However, it should be done as close to Shkia as possible, which means she shouldn't be doing it Thursday morning. She should be doing it late Thursday and it should be done preferably, preferably, from, you know, Pais can say, again, there's the Eitz HaToi somewhere within an hour before Shkia, to give her enough time to say that she'll be able to wash herself out, she'll be able to try once or twice, give her body some time to, you know, to, to try to clean itself out. So about an hour before is, is probably the best time to be, you know, practically, to be able to start getting this Hefzik. But again, it needs to be done, needs to, that this Hefzik needs to happen before Shkia. Now, the earliest she could be done is Mincha Ketana, which is about two hours before Shkia. Mincha Ketana is the earliest, but the Eved, even if she's, if she's not able to do Mincha Ketana, even a, even a Hefzik, which was done early in the morning will also be considered at least by the evidence will be enough for her to be for it to be considered a hefsik and will allow her to start counting the shivanikim. So again, lechatchila mechiktana and on, but by the evidence, even even one which is done in the morning will be enough. Now, if a woman realizes, and this happens. I shouldn't say often, very often, but it happens occasionally. A woman will, especially in the winter, it's four, you know, she is 4.30, it's smack in the middle of the day. She's either in work or she's dealing with the kids and a million things going on. And she has to do a half sick and she doesn't know a half sick, she has to push up the next day. And she looks at looks at the clock and she sees that it's, you know, five minutes past Shkia. Always the Eitzah eight, eight is, 
always do a hefsek, mark down the time that it happened, and call the Rav after. There are times that you could be makele, depending on how far after Shkir is, depending on how Chesed the Rav is, and how, you know, what, what, what minig a person's machbun on. I'm saying, what minig a person's machbun you know, on, or where a person, you know, what this man or machbun on, but always, it's always kedai to do it unless it's a long time after Shkir. It's always kedai to do it if it's, you know, within a few minutes after Shkir, do it, mark down the exact minute that it happened, and then you can bring, bring it to a Rav after. Now again, also, Again, we spoke about this last time. Also, if, if the bedika she does a bedika right before she and it doesn't come out clean, always bring it to rough because what you know what a woman's version of not clean is may not be the may not be halachically the same version of not clean. And to a woman, she may say, "There's no way this is good." And many times you bring it to rough, and they're like, "I thought there's no way this is good." You know, people will sometimes like end for themselves, like, "I'm bringing this." Like, I don't really want to bring this. My wife told me I should bring it just in case. I'm like, "It's fine." Like, really? Like, it's hundred percent fine. Like, it's again sometimes the things that people think are an issue are not actually an issue, and therefore. A woman, it's always kedai to bring it in if, if you have a bedikah which is not clean. So again, that's the process of getting getting to the beginning of the Zayin It begins with washing herself, then a hefsek tire which is done before shkia, and then the meich which is put in from shkia all the way until tzeis. Why would they? Yeah. If she's going to be on a plane, she's going to know she's not going to be able to. Yeah, it's not it's not like a but again, there are scenarios where a woman knows that she's mom is going to be, you know, she's going to have a crazy day. So it's it's uh, do do one early in the morning just in case. But it's you know, it's like, Right, exactly. No, but again, bidiyavid it will be fine if it's done in the morning. As opposed to having exactly, if you don't do it in the morning and she gets busy, then tomorrow missed the whole day. So if a woman's mom is nervous, she's not going to do it. So do it, at, you know, do it at nine, ten o'clock in the morning, and bidiyavid it will work. But she should be setting a, you know, setting an alarm, setting a reminder, setting something to make sure she goes into the bathroom and she can do a proper bidika because preferably after minchiktano, that's the most achatchila bidiyavid after that. So that's all. The, the, the prerequisite to be able to start the Shiva Nikim, that's all the Chanas for the Shiva Nikim. Then she actually begins the Shiva Nikim. So Friday, in our example, is day number one of Shiva Nikim. She begins the Shiva Nikim. During the Shiva Nikim, she has to wear white. She wears, she wears Begad Mulvainim. She has to wear white underwear so that she knows what's going on. However, she doesn't need to use white sheets. Although in Artisol, I think we spoke about last year, I think in Artisol, they're very makbid, they use white bed sheets. Also, uh, the Paiskim in, in America say that myself, she's wearing, she's wearing undergarments. So, you know, it's for it to spread all the way down. She's wearing undergarments which are white. She doesn't have to be worried about the white sheets, and therefore, white white will be enough, and that's fine. Rabbi also writes in a chuba that if a woman's going swimming, so she doesn't have to make sure that she gets a bathing suit which is white. She can wear a regular bathing suit. That's fine for the time that she's swimming. So again, it needs to be she needs to be wearing begadim um regularly, but obviously not the sheets and not the uh, not, not when she goes swimming. Now, aside from the actual wearing of levenim, she also has to do a bedika twice a day to ensure that she's actually. She has the status of Shivanakim. They have to be Shivanakim, not just that she didn't see anything, but that she's actually conscious and looks and makes sure that they're actually Nakim. And therefore, she needs to do a badika twice a day, once in the morning and once at night. The one which is in the morning should be done after Nates, but it should be done after Nates, but she doesn't have to be, she doesn't have to wake up at Nates in order to be able to do it. When she wakes up, she does the badika, but it should be done after Nates, but the other after a lace would be, would, be would be good enough, but it should be done preferably after Nates. And the second badika needs to be done before Shkia. So she does badikas twice a day, one after Nates. And one before Shkia. If for some reason she missed one of the days, this happens. You know, woman's a woman's not conscious of it, and woman's not you know not always not always on top of it. And when she forgot one of the days or got busy, or if she got one of the bedikas on one of the days, it's not it's not ma'akibit But if she missed one of the ones on day number one or day number seven, you have to call her up and find out. It depends if she did another one on day number one or day number seven. That's those those are the ones that are the most ma'akiv, and the woman has to be the most careful about number one and number seven. Although again, like she has to do twice every single day, but for sure she should be extra cautious and extra careful that at least the ones on day number one and day number seven she does twice, and she doesn't miss because it could end up pushing off the mikveh, could end up leading to to not such kishmaka, not 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 such kishmaka circumstances. And therefore, these are uh, these are things that she has to be nizar on. And uh, I think we spoke out last, and we'll talk about when we talk about the vestas that you know part of the. Thing 
things that these apps have that count the Vestas is that they send email reminders also. So they send emails twice a day to do Badika. They send in the morning, do Badika, and at night, do Badika during the whole Shivan Akim. And it's very practically a good thing to do. She can set on her phone also, but this is something which the calendar keeps in mind and, and it knows based on when she put the period in. She has to do that part at least, but she has to put the period in. But when the period is, when the Shivan Akim are, and we'll send, do, you know, we'll send to a half sick. And then we'll send it every day, twice a day. We'll get her, she'll get an email reminder, you know, by Nate's an email reminder, you know, I don't know what they send an hour before Shkia. Make sure you do a bidika. And again, that's just a practical eight to five kamash balan so that she doesn't actually forget any of these bidikas. If for some reason she sees that the bidikas are irritating her and she's ending up, they're causing her to bleed, call her rough. Because again, these are things that, you know, a, a, a competent rough knows when to be makel and when not to be makel or could figure out why it's happening and why it's causing that. And that's the thing that she should, uh, that she could be, that she should call a rav to find out if she, you know, if there's any, if any of the bedikas that she could skip and how to skip it and, and what the eitz is, practically if she sees the bedikas are irritating. Now, what do you do the bedika with? So bedika obviously should be done with the bedika cloth, which means purchased in, you know, in, like I think they sell them in every grocery store. And I used to, I lived in Seattle, the only place they sold them was in the mikvah. And some of the guys grocery stores, they had to buy them only in the mikvah. I think in Lakewood, every grocery store sells them. You go buy the, the proper aid bedika. That's a bedika cloth and it's kadai, even though, it's not very common, but it's good to look over the Badika cloth before doing a Badika. Sometimes I've seen it even that there are threads, and it's, it's very interesting. For some reason, the threads are many times red. There's red threads that are on the Badika cloth. It's not very common, but you'll see sometimes threads, and it, it's, it doesn't look like threads which came on after. It looks like some, know, somehow it got on there. So it's good. Halakhically, this is what it says in the Shulchan Aruch to do also. She was checking the Badika cloth before using it, but even though Bismanena were using ones that are checked and are factory produced, it's still good for her to look it over, just glance it over to make sure that it's actually clean. Or sometimes, it, you know, maybe even when she took it out of the pack, it, it touched the makeup on the thing. It's good to look it over to make sure it's clean, and she does a bedika. If for some reason she's stuck and she doesn't have a bedika cloths, it could be done anything which is bedyavet, anything which is white and 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 an absorbable a, a, a material which absorbs, which will actually you know a white undershirt, a white shirt, something like that, which is clean, can also be used bedyavet. But it's not She should make sure she has enough bedika cloths to let to uh, to go the whole time. How does she do bedika? So she takes a bedika cloth, she puts it on her finger, and she has to stick it into the isemakam, and she has to go down to to, to all the all the places. Now that, that means that she keeps her finger straight, which means doesn't you don't have to go that, you don't have to bend the finger. If you bend the finger over, it's gonna cause irritation and it's gonna cause, it can cause bleeding. Keep the finger straight, but just moving it around in a circular motion to make sure it gets to all places in the ice and Take it out and make sure it's clean. And that is how, how a woman does, how a woman does a bedika. So those are the, se- the seven, bed- the, the bedikas that she needs to do during Shiva Nikim. Again, one, a- one after Nate and one before Shkia. If a woman does have a new ring in, she should be taking it out before doing bedikas. Our price is say she only needs to take it out one and seven. Chachila, what as Makala, she take it out preferably before every bedika. And that's why, you know, some women don't like the new ring in terms of birth control, just because it's, it's annoying to take it out. To remember to take it out. But I'll see when it comes to the mikvah. Also, she has to be careful to take it out. But even by the bedikas, price can say that it can get in the way. And therefore, she should be doing, taking it out before she does a, uh, a bedika. Clear so far? Fine. So that is, that is, again, the five days that she has to count. And the five days include the day of bleeding. And she does a half-sick before Shkia of the fifth day. And then the next day, that's considered Zayin Yom Shleimim. After that, she has seven full days. She needs to wear white. She needs to do bedikas twice a day. And that's when she'll be prepared for the mikvah. Now, after those seven days of counting, so again, our example was she began, she began the period began on a Sunday. So Sunday is day number one of the five days. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Thursday before Shkia, she's doing a hefsik. So what's going to come out is that a week later after Shiva Nikim, Thursday after Shkia, which is Friday, halachically, she's going to be able to go to the mikvah. It's always just the easiest way to do it is the same day she does a hefsik. Assuming that the hefsik came out good is the same day she go to the mikvah, except the hefsik is before Shkia and the mikvah is after Shkia. You know, two days a day apart, but it's just it, you know a short while, a short while apart practically. So the hefsik is done before shkia, and the mikvah is done 
after Shkia. Now, maybe we'll talk just about, uh, just about the day of the mikvah, and then we'll talk about Khafifa and Chatzitzes, and the preparation for the actual mikvah. So obviously, the couple should not be pushing off the Lotfila, there's Mitzvah's Aina, there's this Puru Revu, and if they feel like there's a valid reason to push it off, that's not the kind of thing that they should be deciding on their own. The kind of thing you call a Rav and ask them, you know, we have a wedding, we have a Chasana, we have this, it's, it, there's challenges, we're flying, there's something going on. There's no mikvah Friday night. You live in Jackson or Tom's River. There will be soon, but there's no mikvah. So you have to call the Rav and find out what are the, what are the options, what are the eights, what should be done. It's not something which should be taken lightly. Both mitam shalabais, mitam pruruvrum, mitam aina. These are things which are mitzvahs, are chiyuvim, and it should not be taken lightly. And the couple should obviously be discussing with the Rav before, uh, before just saying, okay, you know, we're going to push it off a day or two days because it's more practical. Now, if the husband's out of town, which happens occasionally, and the husband's out of town, and the woman, it's, it's the, night of the, the night of the woman's mikvah, the husband's coming back Wednesday from a business trip, and Monday night is the finish. Is she finished her shivanikiyim, so she does not have to go. And according to the, the Paisim, even bring down that preferably she should not go. There's a certain shade that takes place, a certain ruchas tumis, which attack a woman who's just gone to the mikvah, who's tahira, and therefore preferably she shouldn't go. Which means if he's coming back Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon, so she shouldn't go Monday night. She should go Tuesday night, go the night before, as opposed to going Monday night. And the Paisim say that what she should do is Monday night. And again, this is brought down in halacha, not just as a, it's obviously based on based on. Uh, Based on based on and Said and based on Kabbalah and based on Shadim and Ruchais, but she should sleep either with somebody else, either with a kid with a kid next to her, or at least with an item of her husband's clothing that's for some reason wards off the Shadim and push it off, and therefore she can sleep with her husband's shirt or pants or something in the bed, and that will for some reason be be uh, push away the Shadim and she doesn't have to be worried. So again, if the husband's coming back Wednesday afternoon, so she shouldn't go Monday night, she should go Tuesday night. And then she should, uh, and then she should sleep with the thing. If for some reason she sees that she's not going to be able to go Tuesday night, it'll be more convenient Monday night. So again, she could go Monday night in the same Eitzah, sleep with the item of clothing in both Monday night and Tuesday night. If for some reason she's capable of going to the mikvah, which means Monday nights are night of the mikvah, the husband's home. But for some reason she's not capable of being intimate with her husband. It's maybe after childbirth, they haven't gone to the doctor yet, and they're nervous, or for some other reason that they, that they need to separate, they need to be pirish, at least from Tashmish. Nevertheless, there's still a mitzvah for her to go to the for her to go to the mikvah, to be, you know, at least not to have to keep our chakas. That's part of, you know, even when the when the Ramah discusses the Yaitzel Aderech, the Chiv of the Chiv of, of Yaitzel Aderech. The Ramah says that when it's at the time of a vest, you could be Yaitza, you could be Yaitza this Chiv of Aina by Yaitzel Aderech with other in other ways other than actual Tashmish with Chibok and Nishik and him. So Mamele can do the same thing, even if her mikvah night's Monday night and she's capable of going. So she should go. The place can just say that they have to be careful if it's going to be a long amount of time in between her going to the mikvah and the couple capable of being together. They have to be careful about the husband having a rurim and shechazer lavatala. And therefore, you know, if it's a day or two, but if it's a longer amount of time, it should probably be discussed with Rav to make sure that it's good for her to go to the mikvah, even though they're not going to actually be able to. Uh, be able to eat together. So that's all the when she should set up the mikveh. If for some reason she does need to push off the night of the mikveh, which means she's supposed to go Monday night, and for some reason she's not able to go Monday night, or she lives in Jackson Times River and she can't do a Friday night, so she's going on Matzah Shabbos, which means she finished her Shivanakiyam on Friday. But that's if she should be going Friday night. She finished all, all Badikas, but she lives in a community with no mikveh Friday night. She's not capable of going, so she's going to be going Matzah Shabbos. She stops wearing, she stops wearing white. On Friday night, she's no longer on Shabbos day. She no longer wears white, and she doesn't. She's not doing any bedikas after Yom Zion. I just uh, dealt with a case recently where a woman was. She pushed it off. Mamish's case, and she did a bedika on day number eight, and she ended up. It wasn't a good bedika, and ended up causing a lot of issues. There's no. Once you pass day seven, there's no. There's no need to do any more bedikas. Seven bedikas, and that's it. And she's not need to wear. She's not need to wear white anymore. She Dafka should should switch to colored, and no more bedikas. That's all. If for some reason. 
she needs to uh, she needs to push it off. The Bison also discuss again, maybe not the most common case, but we are a woman pushed it off for some reason because of her own you know decision. She pushed it off without talking to Rav, and it ended up on a Friday night. On Matzah Shabbos, it may not be so pushed to go, and therefore if. You know, but the other that case happens, could that talk it over to Rav because going like on Friday night on Matzah Shabbos when that's a mikvah night, that's fine. But if you pushed it off to make it fall on her Friday or Matzah Shabbos, again, maybe it's not such a practical, very, not a very common case, but that's something that she should uh, she should discuss with Rav if that uh, if that happened. Now, even though Minatayra, she should be able to go on the morning of the seventh day, that's why Paskin in general, by, by Tuma and Tahara, that she should be, that, that, that somebody who's only going to become Tameh, Bahar Vashemesh, is already considered, only going to become Tahar, Bahar Vashemesh, can already be, already be Noyeg, and Yonah Tahara by day. However, over here, Chazal, nevertheless, said even though there's a din of Mixus Yom Kakula, that she should finish her Shivan Akiyam already, in our example, in our example on, what was our example on Thursday on, so on Thursday night, on Thursday morning, she should already be finished. That's her seventh day. She should have mixed Shem Kul and be able to go Thursday. However, Chazal said that we're going to run into an issue if the couple ends up having Tashmish and then she sees Dam afterwards while it's still on day number seven. So now it was Oikr the seven days, the Mafreya. And now it comes out that the husband was Baal Anida and it's not going to be such a Kishma And therefore, Chazal asserted the Asr to go on day number seven and she has to wait until day number, and day, till, day, till the Shivan Akim are finished and she has to wait till till Tzais of day number seven in order to, in order to be able to go. Now, what is Tzais again? I think in Lakewood, the, the, comments that, the common practice, I think in most of is 50 minutes, from what I understand, but uh, it could be a little bit earlier, a little bit later, based on what, what a person's makbut on. Even if a person keeps her benetan for Shabbos, most of them also, that's just a chumrah, we don't keep it for everything. Therefore, a woman doesn't have to be careful. This is only, it's only made the Rabbanon to push it off till, the, till after. It's not made the so even if the rice is for Yom Kippur and Shabbos Yimakbid, not to be makbid for a benetan when it comes to tefillah, because again, made the rice, she could be be going on day number seven. It's just also mixes Yom Kukul, it's Gizir the Rabbanon. This would be considered an, an aspect of the Rabbanon where even if you keep her benetan for the rice, you wouldn't have to keep it. And that's what I think the average is, you know, somewhere 45, 50 minutes, somewhere in that range of, uh, of amount of time. Now, even though, Lachaira, once you pass day number seven, day number eight by day, she should be fine to be able to go because the whole chashash of day number seven is only that it's going to be oikr tumul of mafreya. However, Chazal made another level to this kazero, which is called tzrach bita, and they asked a woman going on day number eight or nine or 10, going during the day. We asked in general, a woman going to the mikveh during the day. Why? Because maybe her daughter's going to see her going on during the day. Her daughter's not going to know that's the end of Shivanakim. Her daughter's going to think, or not going to know that's past Shivanakim. Her daughter's going to think that this is day number seven. Her daughter, when she gets married, is going to end up going on day number seven by day, she's going to end up having Tashmish, become a Nida, and Mamela will be Oikah the days of Mafreya, Oikah her Tahara the Mafreya, and end up that her husband is Baila Nida, so Mamela, because of this, again, it sounds like a Vaita Chashash, but we see how careful and how scared Chazal were that, that if someone's going to be Baila Nida by mistake, and therefore Chazal said, Mishim Shrach Bita, not only can you not go by day number seven during the day, even day number eight or nine or ten, a woman can't go to the mikveh during the day, she can only go to the mikveh after taste. There are extreme cases when a woman does need to go to the day, does need to go during the day, again, this is a shallow with the Paiskim, when a woman can't go Friday night, if it's better to go Friday during the day or to go Matzah Shabbos. There are other cases when, you know, there's, uh, there's curfews at night, it's happened during Corona, when, uh, when you weren't able to go out at night, but other than, other than extreme circumstances, a woman can't go during the day, and obviously the mikvahs are not open during the day either, so you'll need to get real permission and real, uh, and real capability to be able to go during the day. No, but they're scared she's going to see her leaving. They're going to see her leaving to, they're going to see her leaving to the mikvah, and they're not going to know when she's going to table. 
Right, they're not going to when she's going to toifel. So again, it's, this, this is what Chazal says: She has to be careful. So that's all agabe the time you get the mikvah. And the other, the other halacha, which is also nagel to once she actually figures out what the day of the mikvah is. The day of the mikvah is, you know, an hour scenario, Thursday night. There's another halacha which applies the whole day of Thursday of the mikvah, and that's to be careful. Aside from the actual chafifa, which we'll talk about, and to making sure that there's no chatzitzas, Chazal said she also has to be careful that she doesn't run into any chatzitzas. She she's not causing herself to run into chatzitzas. How does she do that? So Chazal said she can't eat any chicken or meat on the day on the day of the day of the mikvah, since that's the kind of thing that can easily get stuck in between a person's in between a person's teeth, and that's a very easy chatzitzah to happen that it's stuck in between, and she ends up going to the mikvah with it. In therefore, Chazal said no meat. And they, not just not meat, no meat, no chicken, no ground meat, no hamburgers, no uh, no deli, no type of meat can be eaten. It's like plug. All types of meat, regardless of whether it's a type which will get stuck or not get stuck, no meat or chicken can be e- eaten on the day of the mikveh. If a woman mistakenly ate a piece of meat, right? she didn't know when she, she went to a barbecue and she ate a piece of meat and she hopped after my mikveh tonight, obviously it's not going to pass a little bit of the It won't be an issue. She should just obviously be more careful that she cleans her teeth well because she knows that she ate something which is susceptible to get stuck in her teeth. She should clean her teeth well to make sure it's out, but it won't. Uh, it won't, it won't, uh, won't push it off the of it. Also, if the Lela Tfila is on, let's say, Matzah Shabbos, so now she has Shabbos day, she wants to eat Chal on Shabbos day. Okay, I should speak out that the Lacha only applies by day, not the night before, even though day, even though halachically the night start, the, the day starts from the night before, it's only the day of the mikvah, beginning from the morning all the way till the night, it won't apply the night before. But if let's say she's going to the mikvah Matzah Shabbos, so she wants to eat Chal on Shabbos day. So since the, since the mitzvah of eating Basar is considered a mitzvah, and this is just a chashash, Chazal said anytime that the Sudas mitzvah, anytime she's gonna be involved in eating by a Sudas mitzvah, the, the, she can be mekel and she can eat meat lechatchila. So if it's, a, if it's Purim, if it's considered, you know, some, some real mitzvah suda, if it's considered Shabbos, Yantif, something like that, Chalamayit, she would be able to eat meat. And again, just to be careful, to clean out her teeth well, to make sure that they're clean. Besides, besides for that, if there is a scenario where a woman's gonna be, and this happens occasionally, a woman's gonna be very embarrassed by not eating meat, she's going to family barbecue, it's going to be very difficult. Call a rough and find out. Many times there are workarounds to figure out. Some of them are just practical things that the rough can tell her how to be able to not be embarrassed. Again, this is the things that a rough will have to learn is that, you know, there are things, they're just basic eights of tevis to be able to figure out how to make sure that it's not going to be an uncomfortable situation. But it's always could I call a rough and figure out this, this scenario. I was in the summer a lot. That woman are going to barbecue. It was a major family barbecue and everyone's going to be there. It's look very odd if she doesn't need any food. Most of the time, you can eat salad. You can eat, there's a lot, plenty of other pyro foods that you could eat. But again, if there's something that she uh, she feels a real is a real tzarich, call rav and find out if there's a, if there's a workaround in this scenario. She also has to be careful not to knead dough. Dough is also the kind of thing that, that gets stuck to her hands. And the shachan says she has to be careful not to knead dough with her hands. However, she can put gloves on. It's easy. Eats up. Put gloves on. Don't knead it directly with her hands, and that will be easy. I did see. I, I saw this here also for the first time. That one of the priests can say that if she's kneading dough for a mitzvah, there's also monkey to make. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I've never heard that before. I don't know if that fits into the same Indian of eating meat, which is a real mitzvah. There's no mitzvah dafka to need dough. If you're taking off challah, again, I don't think that has the same halacha, and I don't think that this is the accepted psak. But the easiest way is just either make the dough, either make the challah on, on, on Thursday, or just do it with gloves. That's the easiest way to do it. Now, aside from those two, which are found in the Shulchan Aruch, which is eating meat and chicken, and any other meat derivatives, and kneading dough, she also just has to be practically, you know, it's not a smart thing to eat popcorn, it's not a smart thing to eat laffy taffies, it's not a smart thing to eat the kind of foods which get stuck in a person's teeth, although halachically, it's not in the Shulchan Aruch, but just you can you know be able to figure out, you'll be able to be able to understand from what the Shachan says that other scenarios as well, which are common things to get stuck in one's teeth. Also, she should be careful of doing it. According to as well, many people say she should be careful about not what not. I mean, 
No, so we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about chatzitza in one minute. What's considered chatzitza, but no, for men's makeup, much more makeup. That's considered something that that it's a mead, It's a mead, Yeah, to me, it's not a problem. Just for uh, just for that. Now, the question also say that, for example, waxing. When we want to get a waxing, waxing also is a kind of thing which can end up a piece of wax can end up getting stuck on. It's also also not like a to be done the day of the mikvah, just because practically things get stuck on. They say shaving as well. You know, even though shaving is a level less, but could be here gets stuck on. That's a little bit a little bit more definitely more makeup than than. They say to do it a day before. They say to do it a day before because sometimes the the hair can get stuck on. Uh, again, uh, I think here is much less of an uh, shaving is much less of an issue than waxing. Waxing sometimes the actual wax can get stuck on. And that's something that a person can mock. But here, most of the time, if it's shaved off, should come off in a shower and should be able to go off easily. There are, there are some qualities that teach them also to do the shaving the day before. I think again, I think the waxing would be much more of an issue than the than the shaving. That is all agabe the the hachana and the preparation before we get to actual chafifa and chatzitza for the mikvah. So we'll try to go through chafifa and chatzitza. We'll try to go through it quickly, and then uh, next time we'll get to the actual mikvah and actual uh, and the vestas. So when it comes to chafifa, so chafifa before we actually discuss. What the Khafifa process is, we have to figure out what the purpose of the Khafifa process is. The purpose of Khafifa is to make sure that she's able to be, she's able to be Rachetz, Kim Rachetz Besara Bimayim, Uba Shemesh Vitir, the Gmar Darshans, Ma Bia Shemesh Kulai, Kaachas, Afrochitsi Kula Kaachas. She has to be able to go into the mikvah, Kula Kaachas, unlike Hagala, which you could do part of the part of the Kaili at once, and then the other part of the Kaili, other part of the Kaili. You know, and you could do the keli in two separate shifts. When it comes to mikvah, the whole person's body has to be in, the whole keli has to be in at one time, and therefore everything needs to be in the mikvah. And therefore, if she has a chatzitza, the chatzitza is going to get in the way of her being fully submerged in the mikvah, and it'll be an issue. And therefore, the whole purpose of the chafifa and the ian and the bedika, all of that is all to make sure that there are no chatzitzas on, which will, will get in the way of her being toivel totally in the mikvah. Now, we'll talk about the types of chatzitzas. Before we talk about the types of chatzitzas, we have to talk about the parts of the body in which a chatzitza could be found. The three parts of the body, halachic parts of the body, that a chatzitza could be found, and each one of them will have, will have, uh, will have different halachas. One is makam galdi, one is the outside of the body. The outside of the body is any part of her body which is revealed, any part of her body which is external. That is, uh, that's, that's all parts of a body which obviously have to have water actually touch those parts of the body. Then there's beis astarim. Beis astarim are the parts that are revealed occasionally, but, but not always revealed. For example, the inside of the mouth, the inside of the nose, the inside of the ears, those are called basis starim, the parts that a person can get to, the parts are called basis starim, and they have to be, they don't have to have actually water get inside. We'll talk about when she's in the mikvah, she doesn't have to open her mouth and make sure water gets inside, but it needs to be roi lebiasmaim. It needs to be something which water could come in. So therefore, if she has a chatzitza between her teeth, so the water doesn't actually need it to get in between her teeth, but the water needs to be right to be able to get in between her teeth, and therefore she has to make sure that she doesn't have chatzitza between her teeth, even though that's called basis starim. So the first one is called makam gully, that she has to make sure that water actually touches all makam gully. Then there's basis star and parts of the body which are covered and uncovered. The eyes, for example, she doesn't have to open up her eyes and make sure that the water goes in the eyes. But for example, if she's wearing lenses, that can be a, a, a chatzitza in the basis starim. So she has to take out the lenses. Those, that's considered basis starim. And the third halachic part of the body is called balua, a part which is totally inside, totally internal, which doesn't even need to be roi lebiyas mayim. So that's, again, there's not many things that you can put in a part that a part of a body that's balua, unless it's medically put inside, that, w- that would, uh, would be an issue, but that's called balua. So again, there's galui, there's basis starim, and there's balua. Yeah, this, those are the three parts. So, what does inside mean, like surgically inside? Yeah, for example, an IUD, things which are, things which are put mamish inside, won't pay chatzitza, that mamish in a, pace, in, in, in a real, that's called mamish beisa blua. That's because, exactly, something like that, exactly. Something which is mamish internal, that's called, a, no, that's a beisa blua, that's mamish inside, and that's not a chatzitza, that becomes part of the guf. Anyways, if it's sitting, if something like that, like a knee replacement is there, we'll talk about even, you know, a teeth replacement and things like that. If it's something which is there permanently, automatically becomes part of can't pay chatzitza. So, huh? Scar. Well, scar anyway is not going to be chatzitza, it's just a, 
Stitches maybe will be more of an issue. Once the scar is there, that's part of that's part of the body, that's part of the skin, and the water will be able to touch. So again, those are the three parts. Now, what is called a, now that we know where a chatzitza could be found, what is called a chatzitza? So there's a chatzitza mitereisa, chatzitza mitereabanan, and then there's by mikvah specifically by woman that we have this third level of lechatchila. So mikvah chatzitza mitereisa means needs one of two one of two things in order to be chatzitza mitereisa. It needs to be rubai. It needs to be to be enrava the body ve'enamatbin or I'm sorry, it needs to be either rubai, I'm sorry, only, I'm sorry. Let me back up one second. Mida Raisa, the only thing that could be her is rubai or makbid. Only if it's most of the body and she's makbid, she doesn't want a deer. I can't think of many, many scenarios. I can't, I shouldn't say many. I can't think of any scenarios like this. It's very uncommon. Uncommon. I can't full think of a scenario cast. like this. Huh? Full body cast. Yeah, a full body cast. Something like that. It needs to be mamish and rave of the body and she's makbid, she doesn't want a deer. The one case where this possibly can come up is here. Here is considered to be the rave of, we don't, while well, we look at the body as one big body, here is looked at as a separate entity, and if there's something which a chatzitza and rave of the here, and she's makbid in it, that would be an issue. But again, not a very common scenario to have that rave, that you would have a chatzitza and rave of the here, but that's, uh, that's midah raisa, you need rubai makbid. The Rabbanan said, they took it down one notch. And the Rabbanan said, if you have rubai, Ve'ena makbid, or makbid and mi'et, that alone would be enough for chatzitza. So even if she has a small chatzitza on her body, she has something small on her body which she doesn't want there, so it's a mi'et, but it's a mi'et that she's makbid on, that would be a chatzitza midarabana. Similarly, if she has something on a rave of her body, but she's not makbid on it, it would also be a chatzitza midarabana. That's one level down, and that's where probably the most common, the most common scenarios come up, making sure, again, rubai makbid, it's not chayach, or not, it's not chayach, it's, it's very, very un uncommon, Mi'at umakbed is probably the most common scenario. She has a small part of a body. She doesn't want there. She's makbed. She wants it off. That's what she has to be careful. Of. Now, even oh, even the Ramah took it one step further, and the Ramah said, aside from mi'at umakbed, even a mi'at ve'ena makbed, which means even something that's on her that she's not makbed on, apple pecan, she has to get rid of the chatzchila. She should be going to the mikvah that any chatzitz is on. And the most common scenario, most common scenario, I think, huh? Nail polish, exactly. Manicure, pedicure, eyelash extensions, hair extensions. Those are all common things. Which it's a mi'at. But she's she's not makbed. She wants it. She wants it there. She's happy with it there. Nevertheless, based on this Ramah, we tell a woman that she should take it off. With Svarim, there's more makan to mekel because this, this is the chumar of the Ramah. But we tell a woman that she should take it off, even though it's a miyat ve'ena makbed, because we want it to go in without any chatzitzes bechlal, not even umiyat u makbed. Now, what is called makbed, right? Which means what is called makbed. So the Paiskim say that makbed means something that a woman would naturally go out into the street with. Which means the the the, the darga of makbed when a woman's by her own chasana is obviously a lot higher than the darg of makbid that a woman is that she goes to the supermarket. And the darg of makbid that you are by your sibling's wedding is obviously gonna be higher than when she goes to the supermarket. Place can say makbid means that she wouldn't, she wouldn't feel comfortable. If somebody saw, you know, somebody said, you know, you have, uh, you have you know, something green over here, she would obviously wanna take that off. That's, that's something she's makbid. She wouldn't walk around that way normally. That's considered makbid. And again, that's what she has to be careful of. Mir u makbid. Uh, uh, real problems are not very common of real chatzitzas. However, if a woman does, if a woman does find that she sees that she sees some sort of problem, some sort of issue after she comes out of the mikvah or before she goes into the mikvah, there's something that she's not sure she's gonna be able to get. She'll be able to get off. Call the rav and find out if she needs to go again, or you know, which is not very common if it's something which is a real issue, or if there's a way to get around it, the way to get it off. And again, hopefully, a rav will be able to know what is considered to be a, a chatzitza, and if there are chatzitzas, the eitzateva had to get those chatzitzas off, or had to get around those those chatzitza issues to make sure that she's able to. Go to the mikvah. So that's all agabi the chatzitzas, and that's what we're looking for when it comes to chafifa. Now we'll just discuss for the next few minutes. We'll discuss chafifa. We'll try to go through. Uh, try to go through it fairly quickly 
to discuss each each part of the each part of the chafifa. Although this is the Ramban, the Ramban and Seifel Chasnita very famously writes that although a woman needs to be very careful to make sure that there are no chatzitzas and she needs to be ma'ayin or guf and make sure that there's nothing on. However, a woman a woman once she does the proper. When she goes through the checklist and checks herself over, she should go into the mikvah without any nerve, and she shouldn't be nervous. She shouldn't be second guessing herself. She shouldn't be, you know, constantly saying maybe I went and maybe I found the chatzitza. She should go in calm, yishevadas. As long as she's done her part, she, you know, she's done her estadlos. That's it. She needs to do, and anything beyond that is she doesn't have to worry about. And again, if a husband sees that a woman's a woman's, you know, constantly very very nervous about this, that's the kind of thing which could add a talk over rub to make sure that there's not, you know, halachic issues, but also that there's not, you know, mental, potential mental health issues that are causing her to be, you know, OCD over the fact that she went, but not sure. Chatzitza, chatzitza is the kind of thing she should go do the do the ian that she needs to do, do the chaviv she needs to do, and then walk into the mikveh confident, walk out of the mikveh confident, and come home confident that she's done everything she needs to do to become totally tahir labayla. So that is. The chafifa. When, do, when does she do the chafifa? So again, chafifa is the purpose for the purpose of making sure she has no chatzitzas to make sure that she could go over that she's able to go into into that her whole body is able to come into the water at once. She has to do the chafifa. So when does she do the chafifa? So I mean, the rice of chafifa just means making sure there's no is ian, making sure that there's no. Um, there's no chatzitzas on, and the cleaning process is only a tukana sezra, but that's, this is what you need to do, this long chafifa process, not very long, but this thorough chafifa process to make sure that she's clean. So when's the best time to do a chafifa? So it's a machlik, it's a very famous machlik, it's Rishayim, between the Shiltas and Rashi, when the best time, the Shiltas says that the best time to do the chatzitza is as close to tefillah as possible. If she, does the, if she does the chafifa, you know, 9 a.m., in our example, she's going to the mikvah Thursday night, and she does the chafifa 9 a.m. Thursday morning, the chances of a, of a chatzitza coming from 9 a.m. till the end of the day are pretty, are pretty high. If she does it at 2 in the afternoon, maybe a little less likely, but still high. The, therefore, the Shiltis writes, the best is to do it right before she goes into the mikveh, at night, right before she enters the mikveh. Rashi says that the problem with that is, is that even though maybe al-chatzitza may be better, but al-tzher rush, al-tzher yishavadas, it's going to be worse. Since she knows that she has an appointment, she has to get to the mikveh, it's night, she has to get there and get back, so she's going to have that pressure of getting to the mikveh and coming home. And therefore, Rashi says, it's better to do it during the day, that way won't be rushed, that way she'll be able to have yishavadas, and she won't, she won't run into the chafifa process, won't go through the chafifa process without a rush. That's the machlaikah shiltas and rashi. Zakta machaber, what's the best thing to do? Best thing to do is afshalatsi sidei shneim to do both of them. How do you get both of them? One's by day and one's by night. Zakta machaber, best thing is to start right before, to start during day, but to drag it out all the way past Gia into the till till past Shkia to the point of uh, to the point of the mikvah. So she should start before Shkia, go in, go after Shkia, and that way she gets to both the Shittas of Shiltas and Shittas of Rashi. Now realistically, that's not a very not a very practically always easy thing to do, especially talking about now. Shkia is you know 440. It's not a very easy time to just to say okay, you know, all the kids have to you know walk out of the house for you know a, a while. And the husband's going to take care of the kids for the next you know hour, and she could start the Khafif before Shkia and go after Shkia. It's not always something which is practical for a woman to do, and therefore there's two other options that she could do. She could either go like the Shiltis or like Rashi. She could either make sure that she does the Khafifa by day, which means do it two in the afternoon, do it three in the afternoon, do it at a time that she's capable of doing it at some point during the day. However, making sure that before she goes into the mikvah, she brushes her teeth well, assuming that she ate after the original Khafifa. She makes sure she brushes, she flosses, she you know takes a shower, she combs her hair, makes sure she does a very simple you know, one uh, run over of this chafifa to make sure that everything's good. So which means the original chafifa process during the day will be cutting her cuticles and cutting her nails and making sure that there's no makeup on and doing everything else that's necessary to make sure that there's no chatzitas. Then she comes right before the mikvah, she tells the mikvah she doesn't even take a bath. She's just taking a shower, she takes a shower, combs her hair well, make sure that there's no knots in there, make sure there's nothing in between her teeth, looks her body over, there's an ian, which is the chiv de raisa, and then goes into the mikvah. That's option number one. Option number two, which is sometimes more practical, is do the whole thing at night. 
which means do everything at night. It comes comes the night of the mikvah, Thursday night. She's going to the mikvah at seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night. Tells the mikvah lady that she needs to, you know, she makes an appointment with the bath. She's able to sit there and do the whole chafifa process over there while she's preparing for the mikvah. She do it at her home as well, but to do it in a way where she's making sure that she's doing it at night. However, since, like we said, we're nervous that Rashi that she's gonna be rushed, therefore the Shazanach says if she does do the whole thing at night, she has to make sure that she's doing it with ample time, that she's not rushing the process. How long is that? However long it takes her to do a chafifa, right? Although the shach slush in front of Marshal is shah is a shah, she has to do him for a shah. The place comes say he doesn't mean an actual an actual hour of 60 minutes. However long it takes, it shouldn't take her 60 minutes. 60 minutes is more on the long side. Could take her 25 minutes, 30 minutes, 35 minutes, however long it, should, it would take her that she knows that this is the amount of time that she would need to do a chafifa if she had all the time in the world. That's how long she has to do it, to do it slowly, to do it calmly, not to do it in a rushed way. And she should make sure that when she sits in the bath and when she does the chafifa process, the chafifa process should be done for as much time as necessary to be to make sure that she's not doing it in a rush way. So again, the two practical aids that she has either to do it by day with a quick kafifa again, which means a shower, combing her hair, brushing her teeth again at night, and an Ian to make sure there's nothing on there, or she could do it by night, but just to make sure that she does it in a way which is not rushed, she does it in a way which is slowly and calmly to make sure she gets the whole kafifa is done properly. Now, after the kafifa, she has to be careful not to run into any chatzitza issues. She has to just be conscious. If she's doing the kafifa at three in the afternoon, she shouldn't go ahead and put on makeup after. It's not a smart thing to do. After she did the kafifa, she has to make sure that she doesn't run into chatzitza and she be conscious of what she's eating, if she is eating or drinking, what she's doing to make sure. That she's uh, that she's not running into any chafifas. That's all on a typical day. When our example c- comes on a Thursday night, very simple. She could do the Thursday night, or she could do it Thursday by day with a quick chafifa again at night. What happens when Lel Tefillah is on Friday night or on Yantif? So obviously she can't do the chafifa then by night. So she obviously has to do the whole chafifa on erev Yantif and erev Shabbos, and she should do it at a time when she's able to do it calmly. So she has to make sure, you know, it, it might not be practical for her to do it right before, right before Shabbos or Yantif, but if she does it in the morning, she could do the whole Khafif in the morning, the kids go to school, she could do it at 10 o'clock in the morning, but then if she does it that way, then she should go before Shabbos and take a shower and brush her hair again and make sure if she's eaten anything, which she probably has since the original Khafifa, that she brushes her teeth and flosses and make sure there's nothing in her mouth. Otherwise, she could just do the whole Khafifa an hour before Shabbos and make sure she doesn't eat, she could drink after, make sure she doesn't eat, and that would be enough, you know, she comb her hair well after that shower and make sure that she's ready. So again, she could either do it on, she could she should do it on Erev Shabbos and Erev Yantif, making sure that at least, you know, before Shabbos and Yantif, she's taking a shower, combing her hair, and make sure she brushed her teeth if she's eaten anything between before between the original Khafif, if she's done it earlier in the day and uh, and the time that she does it now. If it's on a two-day Yantif, right, or it's Shabbos Yantif, and she's going the second night, same halacha supply. She does it on, she does it on, Erev Shabbos and Erev Yantif, and even though there's a gap, not just of a few minutes, not just of, you know, till after say, so there's gonna be a gap of a day and a night. Nevertheless, she she uh, she still can do the Khafifa, which means, is a, you know, the, the example is Friday night's the first night, Friday night's the first is Erev Yantif, uh, and then Matzah Shabbos is the first night of Yantif, and she's going to the mikvah Matzah Shabbos, so she does the Khafifa on Erev Shabbos, and then Matzah, and then, Matzah Shabbos, which is the first night of Yantif, she obviously can't do shower, bath, she can't do anything else. She goes into the mikvah, she does an Ian, makes sure that there's no chatzitzes on her, but uh, and then she and then she goes into the mikvah, Matzah Shabbos. If it is, if it's on, if it's on Matzah Shabbos, if it's on, if the Lel is on Matzah Shabbos, which means she's going to the mikvah, she, she, I said the case already, Matzah Shabbos? No, I didn't say Matzah Shabbos. If, if the Lel is Matzah Shabbos, so she does the Khafifa on Erev Shabbos, 
and she does a full chafifa on Erev Shabbos, and then on Matzah Shabbos, she'll just take a shower, and she'll just take a shower, comb through her hair, make sure she obviously brushes her teeth well, because she's eating meat as she's allowed to on Shabbos, and make sure that she has no other chatzitzas uh, uh, on her. She could also wear, wear makeup on Shabbos, although, this, although she's going through the mikvah on Matzah Shabbos, she could wear makeup on Shabbos, she'd do a chafifa, but she wear makeup, probably not gonna put on heavy makeup, put on a lighter makeup, she could do makeup, she just has to be careful if she does put on makeup on Shabbos, that she makes sure that she washes herself well and cleans off all makeup all make up well. If there's a gap of more than uh, more than a day, which means Lel Tefillah is on the second night of Yantif, right? Which means it's Shabbos, Yantif, Yantif, right? Shabbos and two day Yantif, and she's going, and that and that in that case also she does the Khafifa on Erev Yantif. But if the if it comes out in a gap where it's gonna end up on a Matzah Shabbos or Matzah Yantif, so then in that case she just does the whole thing on Matzah Shabbos or Matzah Yantif, which means if it's after it if if she's going to the mikvah on Matzah Shabbos she does a chavifa erev Shabbos. If she's going to the chavifa one day after, which means going matzah yantif, and, and it's a two day yantif, so then she, go, then she does a chavifa and erev yantif, and she'll do a quick shower again on matzah yantif. If she's going after three days, there's a three day gap, which means it's a two day, three day yantif, and she's just, then in that, and she's going on matzah yantif, or matzah Shabbos, if it's a three day yantif and Shabbos is the end, then she, does, then she just does the full chavifa on matzah Shabbos and matzah yantif. is already a large enough gap that the chavifa and erev yantif wouldn't help her anymore. And then she just does the full chavifa and full chatzitza on. Erev Shabbos and Erev Yantif. Clear? She's going on the second Yantif or Thursday Yantif night. And she put makeup on. She's going on Yantif itself? Yeah. No, then she can't put on makeup. Because then she's going to be, with the makeup, she's not going to be have a good way to be able to get it off. Uh, yeah. Uh, what, I, I, maybe I'll actually she could take off the makeup on Yantif. It's so clear that she can't. But uh, even in Shabbos, could be, it's, it's, not, it's not so posh she can't take off makeup on Shabbos. But I, 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 I don't think it's a smart thing to do. Maybe I shouldn't say how luckily it's not allowed, but I don't think it's, it's a smart thing to put on makeup because it's, it's, it's difficult to get off makeup unless, unless she really scrubs and gets it out. And then you may run into other, other potential issues with getting it off, which means you can dab, make off, off make off, make up off, even on Shabbos. But she has to be careful with what she dabs, and it's not tzchita, and it's issues. It's not, it's not, it's kedai not to put on makeup, even if she's going on, even if she's going on yantif, which is after the second night. That's all agabe, the timing of the chafifa. Now, what is the, a few more minutes? Yeah? Okay, let's just finish. Well, we'll take us five more minutes. Let's just finish the, the actual chafifa process. That's when she does a chafifa. Let's talk about, about the actual chafifa process itself. So for the chafifa, the best thing to do is to wash her, to bathe herself, in a bath, that's the best thing to do by sitting in a bath and soaking in a bath. First of all, first of all, the water itself sitting on all part will get to all parts of her body. It's supposed to be in a shower. Obviously, you're under the water, but here your mom is soaking in the water. Also, any scabs or any parts of her body that need to be soaked will be soaked when she's in the bath. And therefore, the most little thing to do is to take a bath, but it can't be in cold water. It should be in warm to hot water to make sure that she uh, to make sure that it, it gets off any any chatzitzes that could be on there. Now, a bath is not ma'akiv. If she doesn't have a bath or the mikveh doesn't have a bath or she's not capable of doing a bath, that's fine. She could do it in a shower as well. Obviously, it has to be hot as well, but she could do it in a shower bath. It's not ma'akev. It's just the most lechatchila to be able to make sure she takes off any chatzitza. She has to obviously wash her hair. She should wash her hair with soap. The place can say conditioner is preferably not to be used because conditioner can actually, so shell if it is a chatzitza or not a chatzitza, with our place in the hole that is a chatzitza because it, the, what, the way conditioner works, I don't know, it's until I learn until chasnid, the way, the way conditioner works, like, there's like a thin film of conditioner that goes on every strand of here, and that's why it makes it softer for some reason, and therefore it could be a potential chatzitza, and therefore best not to use conditioner. If she did use a conditioner, a very easy so just wash it out with shampoo, and then you get the conditioner out. You're supposed to do, the way you're supposed to do conditioner, you're supposed to do shampoo, and then conditioner, and the conditioner stays in, so if you just do conditioner and then shampoo, so you messed up the conditioner, and that way you got the conditioner out. So that's a, uh, 
And that's the thing. And while her hair is wet, she should comb her hair well to make sure that there's no knots in there. That's Lagabe, the bathing process. Then she has to make sure that her teeth are actually clean. I'm not going in the exact order of parts of the body, but she has to make sure that her teeth are actually cleaned. And even though, like we said, even though her, even though her mouth, she doesn't, water doesn't have to go in, but it has to be roi be a smile, and therefore she should clean her mouth well by brushing her teeth. She only needs to floss if she normally flosses, right? A woman told me she went to the dentist recently and the dentist asked her, you know, do you floss? She said, I floss once a month when I go to the mikvah. You don't need to floss if you only, you don't need to floss if you're only flossing once a month. You only, you only need to floss if it's, if she normally flosses. Otherwise it's something that she's become a and she doesn't need to floss. And it's not to floss. And if I care, the vice say that's even a chasarin to floss if she doesn't normally floss because it's much more likely that something's going to get it stuck in between her teeth if she's not used to flossing because she's not used to sticking something in between. Suddenly once a month she puts something in between, it's possible that part of the floss and that's why she does floss. She has to use a good quality floss because just make sure it doesn't get stuck. Toothpick as well. She's not used to putting a toothpick in between her teeth. A splinter, the toothpick breaks. That's something she would be makbar on. And therefore, she only needs to floss if she normally flosses. That's Lagabe, her teeth. Lagabe, her nails. She should cut her nails to make sure that they're clean. That's the purpose of cutting them. She doesn't have to cut them all the way down to the skin. She has to cut them the amount that Moshe writes, the amount that's normal to actually have them cut. So if she normally leaves them you know, a little bit longer than the skin, that's fine. She leave them longer. Obviously, if there if there's any nail there, she just has to be make, she has to ensure that there's nothing that's underneath. Lagabe, the cuticles, which is Again, these are words that I only learned when I learned Tachas Nido, but these are pieces of skin that come up around, around the nail. She only has to take them off if there's something that she's normally makbed on. Otherwise, uh, this teeny thing, she does not have to make herself crazy to pull off every cuticle. If they're normally there, it's normally something she's not makbed on. She doesn't have to, they're not a chasitza, and she doesn't have to take them off. That's the guy with the fingernails and the toenails. If she has calluses in the bottom of her feet, again, if it's something that she would normally take off, she should take them off. If not, she should just, it's being soaked while she's sitting in the bath, and that's enough to make sure that it's fine. She doesn't have to actually peel it off. And again, it could be sometimes it's a chasarin to peel them off, and the scabs, and the but dried blood. So if it's not something that she normally takes off, it's fine, she doesn't have to take off. She has to clean the inside of her nose and her ears, especially especially if she has, huh? Especially if she has a cold, she has to make sure that she cleans the inside, she makes sure to blow her, no, blow her nose well, to make sure that she got anything outside. And she has to clean, that's cleaning the inside of her nose, her ears as well, she should clean Obviously, her ears, inside of the ears, clean with a Q-tip, and the earring holes as well, which is a very easy way to clean them. I'm putting the earrings in and taking them out. We'll make sure that the earring holes are clean. If she hasn't worn earrings for a while and the earring holes are starting to close up, that's fine. She could just clean the outside of the ears. She doesn't have to then go stick an earring in if she hasn't put it in a while. Just make sure the outside of the ears are clean. The eyes as well need to be cleaned, making sure there's no green around, you know, green mucus anywhere around the eyes. If she's wearing lenses, she should take the lenses out, even though, like we said, again, it's a base, it's a base of starum. Nevertheless, it needs to be really be a smayim. Therefore, the lenses should be taken out, but the evidence she wore them, Ramesha says it's fine, it's something loose in the base of star, Ramesha says not chaisis, but l'chatchila, she should make sure to take the lenses out, and that's all agave, the eyes, the, the eyes, the ears, the nose, the hair has to be combed well to make sure there's no chatzitzas, make sure there's no knots, that's all lagabe the basic chatzitza, the basic chafifa process, and again, she's washing her body off and making sure that it's done well, again, if she did the chafifa during the day, she should just be taking a shower again at night, combing her hair before going to the mikvah, and making sure that there's nothing in between her, in between her, uh, in, in between her, um, in between her teeth. Now, look at just a few other practical things that come up. If she has blisters, blisters again, like we said, blisters like calluses, they could be left, you know, they don't have to be taken off. If they are popped, then she has to make sure that she got dead skin, she tried to take dead skin or wash it off or soak it in hot water to make sure there's no actual dried blood there. Make sure to take it off. If there's a splinter that's underneath the skin, that's, a case, that's another case of balua, 
That's a case of blue where skin, a splinter is not on top of the skin, but it goes in the skin. That's a, that's a case of blue. She does not need to take it out. If she's planning on getting a haircut, this is a shadow which comes up often. A woman's planning on getting a waxing on her eyebrows or something like that, or she's planning on going to get a haircut, the hair that's left on is not considered to be a chatzitza. It's not an issue. She doesn't have to get it taken off before, even though it's something that she wants to get off. She's going to go up waxing two, three days after. It's fine. She doesn't have to get it take it off. If she has an IUD, an IUD does not need to be removed. A nuva ring, like we said, should be removed. If she has any other type of stitches, casts, temporary fillings, uh, crowns on a, on, a, on a teeth, all those should be spoken over with Rav, and the Rav will be able to figure out exactly the scenario, how long it's going to be on for, how long it has it been on for, this part of the shell as well, and be able to figure out exactly what the uh, what, what is considered a chatzitza, what is not a chatzitza. That is all the, the chafifa process, the making sure that she washes herself well, cleans herself well, to make sure that there are no chatzitzas. Now again, after the chafifa, she should be doing an ian, that's real, the dinda rice of chafifa, looking over her body to make sure it's clean, the back of her body, the front of her body, checking over the parts of her body, could have chatzitzas to make sure that it's actually clean. So maybe next time we'll just talk about the actual tefillah itself, how she's actually toivel. We'll talk about it in the and any other cases that come up. Shekach.